From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. This change in economic environment that we're um, we're starting to see, it looks like this economic recovery is is durable. Um, you know, we still have a ways to go, of course, to get past the pandemic. But it looks um, it looks like over the next several months we will have made significant progress, and this economy can be um, you know fully reopened or really close to it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here and Jeff Bookbinder on the line. Jeff, we are recording this actually early due to the three-day holiday on Friday. It is Valentine's Day weekend. Um, anything planned special in the Bookbinder household? Well, I just uh, placed an order for some special treats, Ryan. They're coming uh, later today. You know, I don't want this to leak Understood. And get back to uh, Debbie before um, she she sees the delivery. So I'm going to keep it on the down low right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm well, pretty excited about what's what's coming. Well, hopefully, well, I guess, yeah, we're going to start. We won't post this till Monday. So if someone leaks it, we've got a mole inside of LPL because I'm not going to do it. I mean, you know, it'd be myself or maybe Neil or who's helping us, our producer. But nonetheless, you know, we'll, we'll keep it quiet. But, yeah, that should be um, – that should be fun. Hopefully, again, by the time everyone hears this, you'll have had, had Valentine's Day. And hopefully a lot of you got a day off um, on Monday, right? It's a President's Day weekend here coming up, or by the time you listen to this, already happened. And we are recording this on February 12th, and that is Abraham Lincoln's birthday. And it always reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. The quote I always use, and I just literally used it, I think, this morning on CNBC, is the Twain quote. Um, you know, What is the Twain quote I always use, Jeff? You remember what it is? Oh, it's something about uh, history not repeating, but rhyming. Yes, history doesn't always repeat, but it often rhymes. I, I say it all the time. It, it's a good one, though. I mean, if you look at market signals, we talk a lot about market signals based on the past, where we might go in the future. Um, but the, the, the other quote that I really like to use um, by Honest Abe is, Honest Abe said, you know, I don't have any problem keeping secrets. It's the people I tell who can't. <laughs> That's a that's another good one. So anyway, so Jeff, this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but we're going to focus on three main ones here: uh, finding yield in a low yield world. You know, we we half joke that you know GameStop is one of the most popular questions we've received. Debt is one of the other most popular questions we've received. We focus on those the last couple of weeks. The other thing that's right at the top of the list. So where can you find yield in a low yielding world? So we're going to talk about that. Also, LPL Research made some changes how we see the world. We've been very in the growth camp for, for a while. Uh, we're starting to even that up a little bit. And then lastly, we're going to finish with a fun one, Year of the Ox. It is the lunar um, new year is taking place. Again, literally today as we do this on the 12th. And Year of the Ox is here. So, Jeff, first things first. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, which, by the way, we really appreciate that. I saw we had some really good YouTube views, I guess, last week on our on our um, on this video. So that was awesome. So thank you. Um, please give us a like, give us a follow. And if you really want to go all out, give us a positive review. That stuff goes a really long way for more people listening to our podcast. But on the YouTube channel, you'll see we have a new design and a new look and a new feel. We've been doing this podcast for a while now. And we said, well, let's uh, spruce it up a little bit. And that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, the, little, the color orange is a little more involved. I think that's pretty good. As a lifelong agonizing Cincinnati Bengal fan, I see orange. I think of the Bengals, and I, I tell you, that's I've got mixed feelings on that. But nonetheless, I really like this um, 
this new look that we have. So thank you to our friends at Marketing Communications for making uh, things just look a little new and sleek and pretty cool looking. So Jeff, I'm gonna let you talk for a little bit now. Um, you know, again, the question of where can I find some yield? A 10 year yield, let's say it's about 110, 115 at the time we're recording this. That's historically low. You know, people are looking at CDs and money markets, you're not getting any yield. Um, there's other places you get more yield, but you have to pay up for it because it's a little riskier, right? I mean, that's kind of how this works. So in our weekly market commentary, we titled it very simply, Search for Income, which makes a lot of sense. Jeff, the floor is yours for a little bit. Where do you recommend finding some income and some yield in this low yielding world that we live in today? Well, Brian, we probably could have titled this under the radar income ideas because I think these are... You know, you know what? We first. still can, Jeff. By the time people hear this, it's already done. We still could change that title. I mean, maybe we talk live how the sausage is made. If you want to, maybe we can. But nonetheless, yeah, back to you. Maybe so, because <laughs> you know, you know, everybody knows, um, you know, you you've got like dividend-paying stocks, right? So utilities, um, real estate investment trusts, things like that. Uh, some consumer staples companies, right? That, that offer above average yields. That's what people think about when they hear, hey, let's find some dividend uh, stocks, give us a little extra yield. And obviously people think of the bond market. Uh, so we highlight three ideas um, that we um, we think people wouldn't naturally think about. So one of them is, is energy. So the S&P 500 energy sector is yielding about 5% right now, which of course is much higher than your typical uh, fixed income investments and quite a bit higher than even these traditional dividend paying stock areas like utilities, real estate staples. So we think that energy actually is a good place to look for yield. Um, the sector has been doing really well. So technical analysis suggests some upside here after a number of years of underperformance. Uh, certainly we think that the stocks are reasonably valued after so many years uh, of, uh, of underperformance. Uh, and then oil prices have been rallying, right? We're pretty close to 60 bucks on WTI crude. Uh, and that certainly supports the energy sector. So that's, uh, we think, a really interesting place to look right now. Now, maybe a little bit more of a trade than a long-term investment. You know, there are long-term challenges in the energy sector. Certainly alternative energy uh, is a big one. But, um, you know, over the next year or two, we think this could be uh, a good place uh, to go uh, for a little bit of yield. Now, Jeff, let me chime in just for a second. Because, you know, I've been hearing that for a long time, <laughs> that energy might be bottoming, energy might look good. I mean, just because there's a yield here, if, you know, the underlying asset continues to drop significantly, uh, maybe you're not so happy with that nice yield you're getting because, you know, <laughs> what you pay for, it's even down more. So you're telling me, you, do we think now is finally the time for energy stocks in general to improve? And then you can also pick up some nice yield. Is that kind of what you're getting at here? Well, those, those risks run keep us at neutral rather than a, an outright positive mm -hmm. view. So we're really focusing on the income piece. When you put you know, a neutral sector in general uh, combined with this attractive yield, we think that makes the case for higher stock prices. So maybe you only get a few percentage points of capital appreciation over the balance mm -hmm. of the year. Remember, energy is already up 15% year to date. Right. Right. So you know, we're not saying we're going to double that and be up 30 for the year. But some capital appreciation and these yields, uh, we think you know, maybe a double digit total return uh, is a um, realistic uh, possibility for, for 2021. So there are risks, sure, if oil prices come back down, it might be hard for some of these companies to pay these yields. Um, these are more based on trailing dividends 
rather than future uh, dividends, which are, of course, uncertain. Uh, but we think these stocks can go higher here, and, and most of that yield can come through. And I'll just chime in with this. We've been underweight energy for probably as long as I can remember. <laughs> been with LPL for five years. It feels like we've been in that camp for quite some time. And like you said, Jeff, we're finally on the technical front seeing some real momentum, just incredible breath looking at the stocks, how many stocks are above their 50-day moving average or above their 200-day moving average. We don't think this recent energy strength we've seen in the last several months is really just a blip in the pan uh, before it just rolls over and goes lower. More the hallmarks of maybe a change in trend. Now, again, we're not going all the way overboard, you know, investing all the way across the board energy all over, but we did upgrade it to neutral, and that's when you can maybe start to pick your spots and find um, a longer-term trend here with some good price appreciation and some nice yield. So yeah, good, good discussion there, Jeff. What else, um, where else can we go then? Energy is one area. Where else would you go in a low yielding, yielding world? Kind of hard to say on a Friday. Sure. Yeah. Uh, next, um, we look at the banks. We have yep. uh, financials on here at about a 2% yield. Uh, but if you look at the banks uh, separately, those yields are about 2.6% uh, for the group overall. So, you know, one of the concerns and, and why it's, it's not as easy to just load up on bonds for yield is because interest rates are rising and we think they're gonna to continue to rise. Well, what does that mean for financials? It actually means more profits. Financials, in particular banks, tend to do well when interest rates rise, benefiting from uh, a steeper yield curve, which we're seeing now, right? Longer term rates are rising, shorter term rates not rising as much or at all. Uh, that creates a better profit environment for banks because you know, they borrow short and lend long. Uh, so we think, you know, as interest rates rise, you know, even though 2.6% is not a great yield, uh, we think that combined with, again, some capital appreciation potential and some insulation uh, against rising rates that you don't get in most of the bond market, uh, banks probably make sense here for, for a yield play, not just a uh, uh, capital appreciation play. We upgraded financials in January, upgraded energy in, in uh, February this month, and now, um, you know, that, that leads to the squaring up of growth value. Yeah, Jeff, I'll just chime in on financials a little bit. So, you know, you think about when you're playing golf, right? If you are trying to hit a long drive and there's 30 mile an hour wind in your face and you smash that ball as good as you can hit it, it's not going to go as far as you want it to. If the 30 mile an hour winds at your back, you hit an okay shot, you know, kind of straight, maybe off the, you know, flub of the tad, it might even go further because that's a tailwind. When we look at something called the yield curve, we all talked about it a ton <laughs> over the last couple of years. Now the yield curve is the steepest that it's been, I forget off the top of my head, but in a couple of years, I mean, the 210 spread is really improved. That's a tailwind. That's that 30 mile an hour wind behind these financials and these banks that are really going to help them juice some, make some profits and make their overall business just that much better. And uh, that's something from an investment, more of a fundamental point of view than a technical point of view, if I could, Jeff, just very quickly. You know, you can say the market has had an amazing run. I get it. We get it. A lot of that is the tech stocks, right? Communication stocks. They've done amazing. Look at banks and financials. They've gone literally nowhere for 14 years. Sideways. I mean, now believe me, it's anything but sideways. There's some crashes in the middle there, but gone nowhere. So that from a bigger perspective, you could make a legit argument and one that we think makes a lot of sense with yields going higher, with the yield curve steepening, banks and financials very well could be starting a new 
bull market right now. And I know that sounds wild to hear, but when you've gone nowhere for 14 years and you're just now in the process of breaking out, that could be one reason to think that there's a lot of participation and a lot of strength coming from that group. I mean, broker dealers under the service have been really strong. Like you said, banks have been really strong. Financials in general have been really strong. So you can get some nice yield and maybe even some price appreciation as well. Um, so those are my little comments there, Jeff, back to you. Yeah, the last one that comes from the bond market um, is uh, bank loans. So, yep. you know, a lot of people just think of high yield bonds, maybe high yield corporates or high yield municipals. When you're trying to get attractive yields in bond market, those have high yield in the name, right? Makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> right. But bank loans, you know, not as obvious uh, for, for folks to think about. So, um, you know, they're yielding, pr probably going to yield close to 4% uh, this year. And they have very low interest rate sensitivity, essentially no interest rate sensitivity because they adjust as rates rise. Um, so, you know, they are economically sensitive. So like corporate bonds, they need that tailwind of the economy doing well, of companies making money. But we think, you know, on, on those fronts, things are getting better uh, this year, not worse. So a combination of a, an improving economy, improving corporate profits and rising interest rates uh, really um, support bank loans. So that is another area we upgraded uh, in um, our global portfolio strategy report in February. We like the outlook for bank loans here. Uh, and, uh, you know, you get certainly a nice yield premium relative to um, what you see in, in, in treasuries and investment grade corporate bonds. Uh, good stuff there. Yeah, that global portfolio strategy report, we release it once a once a month for our more than 17,000 LPL advisors. And it's, I think, believe it's seven pages now, but it's how we see the world from a, you know, a sector, sector-based view, you know, who we like, who we don't like. And, and we made some good changes or some, well, we'll see if they're good changes. I guess we'll know if they're good changes six months from now, but there's some, some changes recently. And that's obviously what we wanted to focus on. Also, please definitely check out our weekly market commentary, which by the time you listen to this uh, should be live. Um, you go to LPL.com to see that again, that summarizes kind of why we think in a low yielding world, energy, financials, and bank loans are three areas maybe to take a look at. But Jeff, you mentioned fixed incomes. Let's let's talk about inflation. You can't talk about fixed income without inflation. If you have massive inflation, that can uh, scare sometimes bond investors. We've been seeing more and more inflation. Now, I know we talked about it last week in the podcast, but um, Larry Summers came out over the weekend and said he's he's concerned that and you know, he's 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 Democratic. Um, he's a Democrat. He's he's been on with Bill Clinton. He's been with uh, President Obama. He's been around the block, right? So he said, "Listen, all this stimulus that's coming might lead to more inflation." Janet Yellen put some water on that. Jerome Powell put some water on that recently. Um, but then we talked on our blog just this week about how um, inflation expectations are nearest the high the highest they've been in like eight years. <laughs> that's what we're showing right here. Uh, the long term. Uh, let's see the ten year break-evens, I guess. You want to talk a little bit more about inflation here, Jeff, and should we be massively worried about it and what that means for bond markets? Yeah, we don't think we should be worried about this just yet. I mean, this is where you'd like to see inflation, 2% or a little bit more. You know, mm -hmm. the Fed for 12 years has been trying to get it there. Um, and it's probably going to get there in terms of headline numbers. But a lot of this is, is uh, rising commodity prices and comparisons right? Or what some people call a base effect, where you have really low uh, prices coming out of the bear market. And then you rise off of that low base. So the year over year change looks bigger, and, and it's, it's not sustained. So that's what we're dealing with right now. We're going to have a temporary uh, push higher in inflation that is going to uh, anniversary and roll off. Uh, and we'll end up, we think, 
you know, later this year or maybe into 2022, seeing pretty normal, moderate um, inflation numbers. That's the first point. The only other point I want to make on this um, is the labor market still has a lot of slack in it. Right. right. Unemployment is still above average. You know, by most measures, it's it's closer to 10 percent in terms of the real unemployment rate rather than, you know, a little over six percent that's reported. So um, there's still a lot of people we got to get back to work. And that's going to take another, you know, year to 18 months at least. Um, and uh, actually probably longer. Uh, and once you get that, then maybe we can start to think about worrisome inflation after you have a fully employed uh, labor force. Exactly. On the YouTube channel, we are showing CPI, which came out this week, um, Consumer Price Index, which again, is not really showing inflation yet, right? A lot of people are talking about it. You could argue there's a lot of kindling there to have more inflation. I said it like this. Listen, after the worst recession we've seen since the Great Depression, as we start to come out of that and expand and grow, which is how we see the rest of this world. Remember in our last podcast last week, we talked about why we upgraded our view on GDP in the United States, uh, specifically up over you know, 5% or so potentially um, this year in 2021. A little bit more inflation as you're growing is perfectly normal and not something to be afraid of. We just haven't had, it's like the, the fear of the unknown, right? I mean, we haven't had inflation for well, it feels like decades, at least a decade, I guess we should say. So a little bit of inflation as your economy is coming back with, with um, base metals and industrial metals strong, we think it would be a, a fairly perfectly normal situation. But Jeff, we've got a, you know, we've got maybe seven or eight minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about the Fed here. And then we'll kind of move forward into why we evened up growth and value. Jerome Powell was on the docket this week. And the bottom line is this. So I can make it fairly simple. I said he kind of he's sticking to his guns, right? Jerome Powell said, "Listen, the Fed's not going anywhere. Rates are low. Rates are here to stay." He wasn't as worried about his inflation as Larry Summers and some other, even some other um, Fed people are, are a little more worried about inflation than he is. He's not quite as worried. He said, "Listen, the employment backdrop is still very, very poor. We need to help the people that are impacted by the COVID, by COVID and the recession that's still impacting this. So that's why more stimulus is likely coming. Maybe 1.5 trillion, maybe even more. Um, you know, and, and and he also put the onus though on Congress, like he's done before. But he actually talked about the private sector. Say, listen, this is up to the private sector, right? If things are coming back. Don't hold back. Start to hire. Start to hire people back. And um, I don't recall him saying quite anything like that yet, um, but that's just interesting to see. So the Fed is still a backstop. It's still there. So, Jeff, let's move forward. Balancing Act. Now, that is actually, if you're on YouTube, that's a live picture of me walking across a tightrope. <laughs> that's a lie. That is not me on that tightrope. I would fall over. Imagine how fast I'd fall. You'd probably fall over too, Jeff. We both fall over so fast. Guaranteed. Um, but anyway, so Jeff, we I'll set the table and hand it to you. And remember, if you listen to this podcast at all last year, we've said, listen, we like growth over value, right? We thought growth was going to do great. Growth had a historical move relative to value last year, which, which you know, really was nice for the models that we run for our LP advisors and their millions and millions of clients. We were happy with that. Um, but now we've really evened things up a little bit, Jeff. You know, kind of want to tell us why you think um, – it makes sense to even things up now when we were so firmly in the growth camp, you know, most of last year. Yeah, when economic growth accelerates, that tends to be better for value. And you know, we talked mm -hmm. about financials and energy, the biggest value sectors. Right. Right. And they benefit from more inflation, which is certainly tied to uh, energy. Commodity prices, of course, tied to inflation. And they benefit from rising interest rates and, and a steeper yield curve, which we're seeing. Um, that obviously is more of a of a factor for financials. So um, that really evens it out. So we wouldn't say this means, you know, the tech sector is going to come down significantly. Not, not at all. It, the fundamentals in the tech sector, the biggest growth sector are still really, really strong. 
and the related internet areas that are you know, scattered across some of the other sectors, communication services and consumer discretionary, the big e-commerce names, the big digital media names, fundamentals are still very, very strong. Um, we still want to own a good chunk of those. They're a big chunk of the market, about 40% between you know, all those areas. So um, you know, don't necessarily move aggressively away from those, but just make sure you have that, that value exposure kind of evened out uh, on both sides so you can benefit from this, this change in economic environment that we're, um, we're starting to see. It looks like this economic recovery is, is durable. Um, you know, we still have a ways to go, of course, to get past the pandemic, but it looks, um, it looks like over the next several months, we will have made significant progress and this economy can be, um, you know, fully reopened or really close to it. Uh, absolutely. You know, just so we've talked about cyclical value, materials and industrials and financials, how those, if the economy opens up, those groups are going to do pretty good. But I want to focus this a tad more back on growth, specifically technology. Maybe a month or so ago, we talked about this. I said, listen, there's 11 S&P 500 sectors, all right? Technology was number one last year, gained over 40%. Will it finish number one, two or three this year? Yeah, you know, hey, any, you know, believe me, anything's possible, but it was probably not number one or two, okay? But it could be in the top five. This is where the earnings are still coming from. And, you know, as we like to say on this podcast, peel back the onion, look at semiconductors. Semiconductors literally on Thursday were up like over 3%, made a new all-time high because there are some components in there that have gone nowhere that are starting to break out. Um, so that's the most influential group, or at least one of the most influential groups, obviously, of technology. When you have the strongest group breaking out, it is very hard to say, well, we don't like that group anymore. Um, you know, it, it still looks really good. And it, it's um, it's amazing because I keep reading about how we are seeing shortages in semiconductors. Literally, remember when I talked about my Volvo last year? That was a blast. All the issues have my Volvo. I think Volvo, maybe it's Volkswagen, one or the other. They're like stopping how many cars they're making because they're having a chip shortage. All right. There is just a, a, an amazing demand for chips globally. And that's another re partial reason. That's, I didn't think I'd go this way, but we like emerging markets. They make a lot of chips in Taiwan and Hong Kong, even in China, in that in that part of the world where they're growing uh, very quickly. So when you see that much strength from semiconductors, it's still a group that we like, technology in general. Um, and it's kind of who got us to the party, right? We'll stick with who got us to the party. But the, the new guys on the value side, uh, they still look pretty good. And like you said, the most beaten up in area at all, the most value of value is energy. And we're finally seeing some, some improvement there. Any final comments on value growth, Jeff? Then I'll bring us home with year of the ox. <laughs> Well, I'll just say President Biden's getting involved in that semiconductor shortage. Uh, yeah. You know, I've been doing this for, you know, around 25 years or so. And uh, I've learned that when you have a shortage of something, that's usually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a basketball player. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that one, um, that one hit close to home there, Ryan. I know. I didn't want to hurt you too. After, after, after uh, your team lost the Super Bowl, and, and then that that joke there, it's like, oh my goodness. How's Northwestern doing about basketball? By the way, I mean, I know Duke actually. So I know you got your MBA from Duke. It's like, where do we, you got your how to work? You got undergrad yeah. Northwestern MBA. What's Duke? Am I correct? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, okay. you know, Duke certainly a little bit. Bit better than Northwestern in basketball, but uh, okay. yeah, Northwestern's made a little bit of progress, but they're very young and they are having a little bit of a tough year after a uh, after a strong start. 
Well, you see teams like what Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, none of them are ranked, or at least they weren't recently. That's like, I don't know. It's like, I thought 2020 was crazy. 2021 is even crazier. But but nonetheless, I'm a Xavier guy. A lot of you might know that. So Xavier's played like one game in a month. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, they were ranked not that long ago. So anyway, hopefully get a little more normalcy and get back on the court for all of our teams. But let's finish things up, Jeff. We're near the end of the line. This is a fun one. It is the year of the ox. By the time you guys hear this, the year of the ox is here. Never invest in this, similar to the Super Bowl indicator that we talked about, but it's still a fun one. Uh, the Ox actually, the last two times was up. Um, I got it the next slide. No, that was up like 20% and 30%. The last two times they had the year of the Ox 12 years ago and 24 years ago. If you look at all 12 of the um, signs of the zodiac, sure enough, the Ox is the third strongest one, up over 13% on average. The goat and tiger. So I don't know what year um, those were, but for you goats and tigers out there, you are the strongest. Um, I'm the horse. Horse, ooh, horse is not very good. 6.3, he's the fourth worst. The rat, rooster, and snake are the weakest. Jeff, do you know by chance what zodiac sign you are? I do not. Oh, I used man. to know that, but I can't remember. Yeah, well, let's just say you're the goat, the strongest one. The goat, especially the Tom Brady stuff going on. Oh, that hurts close to home, too, bringing up Tom Brady. I'm just taking a lot of shots today. today. Nonetheless, <laughs> anyway, so check out our blog, lprresearch.com. You can see uh, where your Zodiac sign lays. But nonetheless, don't invest in it. It's just a fun one to uh, talk about. So, hey, like I was on TV with Joe Kernan. Um, feels like 17 hours ago. It's been a long, I was on at like 6 in the morning. So, you know, we were talking, and he said to me about seasonality and things. And I said, listen. Yeah, the fundamentals of what you focus on, but this isn't bearish, right? This is data we're seeing is not bearish. The seasonality is not bearish. And hey, year of the ox isn't bearish. So let's just chalk it up to that. So Jeff, I think we're, yeah, we're at the end of the line for this week's podcast. Um, thank you, Jeff, for some great conversation as always. Please guys check out um, our blog, lplresearch.com um, for a lot more uh, commentary from a lot of the things we just discussed here. And then the weekly market commentary as well, which you can find on lpl.com. And with all of that, um, Let's say hopefully everyone had a good three-day weekend because by the time you hear it, you will have had it. And hopefully everyone had a uh, safe and fun um, with a lot of chocolate, maybe a lot of good eating on uh, Valentine's Day. So we'll see everybody uh, next week. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving an investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate 
Please note, LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations and may lose value.